Bill, every time you hear that theme song, put on a stack of 45s, what do you, what, does it still give you that thrill, that, that, that same uh, It does, it does. It, it sets my soul on fire. The thrill as we were, as we recorded it in the living room on Kingsbridge Road in the Bronx. Holds up. Holds up after all of these years on that TIAC, the first ever TIAC DAT stereo recorder. Yes, Bill. We were ahead of our time technologically, and we remain ahead of our time, and we're going to really, uh, we're going to really, re- you know, everything goes around and around and around. So I'm the same way that 1975 we recorded that song, and, you know, we're playing it again for you, and it's just a big circle, because, Bill, what are we living? We live in the circle game. Oh, that is brilliant. Brilliant. We live in the circle game by Joni Mitchell is the song we're covering uh, from 1967. This is, but this 45 was cut and released by Buffy St. Marie. Now the gentleman who recently was asked, what is the greatest motion picture of all time? And replied without hesitation, Jaws had the insight to place in his motion picture one of my favorite films ever, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, The Circle Game, and he utilized the Buffy St. Marie version, which works. Yeah, he always he always has the best soundtracks. Of course, this uh, song was originally featured in 1970 in The Strawberry Statement. The, stra- Did you know that? the Strawberry Statement. I'm That's try- a film that uh, I'm trying nobody re- remembers. No, I'm trying to remember who was in the Strawberry Statement. It sounds like Robert Redford. Possibly. It was a release. It was a Columbia Pictures release in 1970. And uh, she, she recorded it for her album Fire and Fleet and Candlelight. And the B-side was Until It's Time for You to Go. And it's interesting, looking at the label, the publisher of the circle game was Gandalf publishing, which hmm. kind of hmm, I see. Know, from Lord of the Rings. Hmm, I see. Beverly St. Marie, born February 20th, 1941. We can not speak of her without speaking of the fact that she is the very first indigenous star to appear on our horizon. He's five foot two and he's six feet four. He fights with missiles and with spears. He's all of 31 and he's only 17. He's been a soldier for a thousand years. He's a Catholic I was first made aware of her on the motion, on the television program Pete Seeger's Rainbow Quest when she performed Tis of Thy People You're Dying. You've asked for my comment, I simply will render My country tis of thy people you're dying. Um this is a serious, this was a serious young woman, and she is still out there as an older woman uh, doing, doing an amazing job of reminding us 
of the history of songs like Universal Soldier, Time for uh, You to Go, and the song she won an Oscar for, Up Where We Belong. Oh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Love lift us up where we belong. Where the eagles cry on a mountain high. Love lift us up where we belong. Far from the worlds we know, up where the clear winds blow. Right? She wrote that, but it was recorded by Jennifer Warrens and Joe Cocker. But she, for an uh, officer and a gentleman. Now you talk about a span of talent to go from protest songs like that. Phil Oaks tried the same thing with uh, Kansas City Bomber and it didn't quite work out as well. But in 1983, she had the chops to write an incredible pop song that won her an Oscar for Officer and a Gentleman. And the Golden Globe for Best Original Song. In 1997, she founded the Cradle Board Teaching Project, an educational curriculum devoted to better understanding Native Americans. So I need to put out there the fact that this is, uh, you've got a woman of Native American descent who is able to get uh, traction in a popular market that uh, really didn't seem to quite understand it unless yeah, it was so, a, so ahead of her time, really. Yeah, I mean, the first time I heard about a, a band a, a band that included Native Americans was Redbone. Come and take right, your Redbone. love. Right. Come and get your love. Right. But um, the Circle Game, her particular... Uh, interpretation of it, and it is an interpretation because of that warbling voice. She has this incredible tone and nature to her sound. And yes, and the song is the way as she does it is quite uh, up tempo and uplifting, which is different, uplifting and up tempo, different from both Joni's version and Tom Rush's version. Well, that's the thing about having heard when I heard it for the first time, it was on the Tom Rush album titled The Circle Game. Yesterday, a child came out to wonder And caught a dragonfly inside a jar And fearful, when the skies were full of thunder For seeing uh, an artist with the passion, determination, and uh, complete disregard for being banned, uh, as I did when I first saw Buffy St. Marie, and she was blacklisted, and she was blacklisted, and uh, there is a popular singer that I got into a little fray with about her being blacklisted, and I recently was informed that a gentleman in the country music community 
who uh, recently passed away, was a part of that blacklisting. What, what, why was she blacklisted? Because she was an in, she was a Native American. Well, I don't understand. Let me put it to you this way: Do you think that Charlie Pride was the first choice of disc jockeys when he first made Kiss an Angel Good Morning? No, probably not. Okay, so uh, let me just leave it there. There is a ripe heritage, even by those we consider the most knowledgeable, whether it be a Dick Clark or a Ralph Emery or anyone of, uh, of consequence who spins the discs and offers us an opportunity for us to hear them, going back to Alan Freed, who sometimes had to have a $50 bill placed in his pocket to get the moon glows played. So there is a rich history, although Alan Freed did not suffer from racism, he suffered from greed. There is a rich history of uh, efforts, as we understand with the entire career of Pete Seeger um, and Oscar Brand, uh, and many of the great folk singers who were singing songs of truth and justice to attempt to silence those voices of truth and justice, particularly if they're not white. Bob Dylan had no problem with blowing in the wind. But I think if they understood primarily that he was a Jew from Minnesota, it may not have been as, uh, as, as easy a, a ride. Just, just putting it out there. Just and to as, talk about the circle a little bit, uh, when Joni left home, uh, she went on a three-day train ride and stopped at the Mariposa Folk Festival and witnessed Buffy St. Marie performing there. And uh, so the circle goes round. When Buffy uh, reissued uh, the song, The Circle Game, in 1970, three years later after it was recorded, it did go to 109 on the Billboard chart. 109? Yeah. Barely, barely, uh, barely is breaking right. the top 200. Barely is right, my friend. But um, it, in, in reference to the idea of blacklisting, she at least, you know, was able to, to get on the chart. Yeah, I'm just suggesting that with a little more, it certainly had nothing to do with her determination. There was a concerted determination to keep her away as uh, as best possible, as happens sometimes with uh, many artists, and goes way way back to the days of uh, of recording jazz artists. Who, if uh, you know, you got into a fracas with the label owner, you had a hard time getting played uh, for the stations that would play Savoy label records. Uh, well, when you think about Joni Mitchell's output and, and uh, how many great songs and albums that she's made, 10 Grammys and Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1997, but um, this one, Circle Game, lovely, lovely Circle Game, has been covered over 200 times. And did you know it was covered by Harry Belafonte? I believe it. Yes. Harry Belafonte. 200 times. It must have been covered by everybody. (laughs) 
The song inspired David Clayton Thomas when he's writing Blood, Sweat, and Tears hit Spinning Wheel. The line, the painted ponies go up and down, gave him the idea to write, ride a painted pony, let the spinning wheel spin. And where is David Clayton Thomas now? Is he still I have no idea, but I suspect that he's, uh, I don't know, you know, I don't, I don't know if he is. He was not one of my favorite singers. No. So uh, I don't think. No, I was pissed off because, uh, you know, I liked Al Cooper. It's why, you know, Blood, Sweat, and Tears after Al Cooper were not uh, something I was interested in. No, that's what makes uh, still to this day talking about Al Cooper. And we have spoken about Al Cooper on multiple occasions. Um, that Super Session, I just was re-listening to Super Session with Mike Bloomfield. Jesus Christ, you want to talk about two musicians who really were game-changing, phenomenal players who are not given the due uh, that they deserve. Uh, so we're, we're, we're documenting a lot of circles, but let's, well, let's, let's get on. Let's think, spin that circle. Well, before we spin the circle, I want, to make, I want to make clear that it is Mr. Tom Rush who has just celebrated his 81st birthday and is on the road with Sean Colvin, who introduced me to the song in the album The Circle Game, along with songs by Jackson Brown, Charlie Rich, and a variety of other songwriters. So his taste goes marching on. And uh, I thank you, Tom, and I love you. Yes, he was an important uh, catalyst for all of this. And he still is, and once again, one of the great gentlemen and um, surviving links, along with Tom Paxton and... We'd mentioned recently Jack Elliott in a prior episode, um, Ramblin' Jack Elliott. Um, they're far and few between. Eric Anderson, they're far and few between. And um, Tom Rush certainly introduced us to a lot of wonderful music and uh, a lot of wonderful artists. Ladies and gentlemen, Buffy St. Murray, the wonderful Buffy St. Murray, The Circle Game.
there's a poignant undertone to Tom's performance and Joni's performance. It's tearful. This is not a tearful performance. This no, is the it's joy. This is the joy of the beginning, the middle, and what inevitably is going to be the end. But the assumption is if we just keep going around and around and we just submit to that, everything is going to be all right. And there's, I like a, that. there's a great wonder to that, that because there is eternity in that thought. And maybe that's what, for me, makes Joni Mitchell one of the greatest songwriters of all time. She submits to eternity before she submits to anything else, even given all of the uh, dilemmas that she has suffered in her life, emotionally, physically, and most recently in returning from something that literally will define you and confine you forever. Talk about a circle. A what hell of a circle there. Rose and flows of angel hair And ice cream castles in the She had to relearn how to play guitar yeah. by watching her own YouTube videos. Yeah, that's what she did. That's what she did. She watched she watched YouTube videos. Of she, herself to see where she put her hands. It. And it reminded me a bit of the Jan Berry story. Uh, Jan and Dean fame, who suffered that tragic dead man's curve accident, had aphasia, and had to relearn everything, including every lyric to every song he ever sang for the rest of his career, which went on for quite a while. Yeah. So that's wow. pretty, it's pretty remarkable. And then records the cult album Port to Paradise. So yes, there are many great stories of survival, uh, achievement, and Real heroism. Uh, and heroism. Heroism just to live. Yeah, yeah. The, there is something about the human will that is a determining factor, I believe. I believe the more passion one has, uh, the more probability for your continuance and the circle 
to go uh, longer and longer and larger and larger. Kind of like you, my friend. You are. We go round and round and round, we don't go, we? We go round and round. When you know, we're not painted ponies. We're just human beings. We're just. We're just people. We're captive on the carousel of time. <laughs> but something about the way you said, just said that. that wow. Yeah, aren't we? We sure are. Johnny was always profound. She was always profound, yes. Yes, the most profound I get lately is I just realized this morning that I'm 70 and a half years old. (laughs) I remind myself that it's August. Stop counting. I don't know where this year went. I got to be honest with you. This has been been a hell of a year, my friend. Wowie zowie. So, uh... I also wish to dedicate the song to my late mom who passed away um, around three weeks ago at the age of 97. And uh, God bless you, June. thought that uh, June was going to, her circle just went on and on and on until it just wore out. She just wore out. And uh, this is for you, Mom. I miss you, and uh, we love you. So my friend Bill Mesnick. We will return with another episode, of course, of Put on a Stack of 45s, but we will also be back with your famed program, Captain Billy's Magic 8-Ball, where you dive into that 8-track collection. I don't know how you live among all those 8-tracks. I don't know either. When you get up in the morning, do you, like, kick 8-tracks? I got 8-tracks everywhere. You got them everywhere. And you... So, so what you do sometimes, you just get out of bed, you reach down on the floor, you pick one up, and you say... Oh, look at this. It's Brian Eno. I haven't written about this one yet. I haven't written about this one yet. Brian Eno got me very very excited, so I'm going to contemplate for a while before I commit the uh, type to page. Wonderful, wonderful. Because Brian Eno, there's a lot to be said about Mr. Eno. There's a lot, a lot about Brian Eno. You've got the Bowie connection, the Lou Reed connection, the Patti Smith connection. You've got the connection to all of these artists. He's a philosopher. He's a theoretician. He's an ambient music guru. This is a a man who cannot be defined. Iggy Pop, his work with Iggy Pop. Yeah. Who unfortunately is not... Only those of us who truly understand the glory of, uh, of what the Stooges really represented, boy, were they ahead of their fucking time. Um, Brian Eno was, he said, yes, that's where I want to be. Yeah. Yeah. So, my friend, Captain Billy, and, of course, uh, and the splendid Boho goes to our program where we give a character actor of note a award for being making a film already great even greater and coming up will be Mr. Frank Phelan of Dobie Ooh, Gillis fame yes in the incredible and close to my heart Lost Weekend directed Lost by Weekend. Billy Wilder starring Ray Milland and Gene Wyman Ah, Bill. God. It's exhausting, isn't it? I'm getting tired already. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much to think about, too much to... Uh, Better sign off and take a nap. I think a nap would be a good idea. We're going to go right now, but we'll be back. And uh, we thank you for your support, and we thank you for your uh, affection, and we thank you for keeping the music alive. Bill, we shall return. 
Adiós, amigo. Adiós.